Welcome back to another episode of Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. I'm sitting here in a full house. Say say hi, everybody. What's up? Hey. What's up That's right. Meg? Okay, we got Amanda Rohrbach, campus pastor at Niwa. We got Matt Cody, campus pastor at Fred. And we have Sean Moyers, our lead pastor. Hey. That was a long pause, Carver. <laughs> no one was jumping in. You were introducing guys, everybody. I thought it'd be like Amanda, be like, "Hey, oh, that would be hey." Oh. Sean was the only one. You want to do it again? Yeah, hey everybody, Amanda. <laughs> What's up, Nick? You guys need to come up with something new. It's the same thing every uh, people, time. I've talked to people. They like when I do the "What's up." They like it. I think I they like tell it. you that. <laughs> I'm with Sean. <laughs> And I think you've created a culture that's not sustainable, Matt. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, Sean's a little spicy today. I yeah, can he tell. is. He's a little spicy. Yeah. He is. Yeah, yeah, he is. And it's perfect because of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I'll share that. I'll share that later. Oh. And if you've been following the podcast, you know where we're headed because we've, we've teased it the last couple of weeks because I think we've been excited about this topic, but also maybe a little nervous. You're nervous, Nick? Uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> okay. But I think, you know, it's like, man, how do we... Even after your message on Sunday, Matt, just, I just choked. <laughs> easy, bud. <laughs> I get emotional. Yeah, yeah easy. <laughs> no, I just thought, like, okay, where do we take this? Where do we go? And and I definitely, I came in with notes. Sean, you have several pages of notes. <laughs> He's got some thoughts. Matt has notes. The only person in here with no notes is Amanda. I don't mm. need notes. Wow. <laughs> she has it all, yeah. all up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's right. If you've been following along, you know today we are, are completing a series called What Was I Thinking? And we are talking about... Wow. Sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I may need to apologize to people after choosing this music but you know we just need to we need to entertain ourselves yes. right because this is it, it could be a, a difficult subject to be honest about and to talk about matt on sunday i think you you evidence that by bringing a lot of humor into to the message so we are talking about sex because all of us have uh even if if we we <laughs> get go ahead get there <laughs> even if we have had uh, sex in the past, I was going to say, even if we haven't had a lot of sex. <laughs> You're like, all of us have. Doesn't I'm even like, matter what, if you've had sex Nick? or not. You've made mistakes. Where do, we, where do we pick up? <laughs> Leave it in. People like it. Leave it in. Okay. Uh, uh, this whole series has been about really looking backwards to say, you know, what was I thinking? We've, we've made mistakes. We, we have a history that we wish we could uh, not repeat. But also, it's a series where we're looking forward because it's yeah. saying, okay, if we can apply this wisdom forward, what would life look like differently, right? Uh, so, Matt, you, you talked about this last week. And, uh, guys, we, we can just feel free to jump in as, as the conversation goes. We don't normally have four people on the pod, podcast, so sometimes it can be difficult to hear everyone's voice. And uh, but, but, Matt, I have one question for you to start us off. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, if, you, if, if anyone is familiar with the Bible— you know a little bit about Solomon. You know kind of the way he he chose to live his life. Uh-huh. He had lots of wives, uh-huh. lots of concubines. So this is a guy that wrote the book of Proverbs, and he's trying to pass along wisdom. Why should we listen to <laughs> Solomon when he says, do not have sex unless it's with your spouse? Why this guy? 
Because he's uh, called the wisest guy ever, who ever lived. Okay, true, true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I mean, let that. I'm gonna let that. I'm gonna let that sit, Matt. I mean, uh, I, Amanda. I Sean, actually had somebody in. come up and ask me that in the lobby on Sunday. Yeah. Ask you what? Why Solomon? Yeah, like, um, hey, it's kind of funny. We're talking about exactly talking about sex and reading things that a guy who was you know married to quite a few people. Yes. Maybe that makes him. More qualified, not less. <laughs> yes. This is a guy speaking from experience. This is probably one of the quintessential parenting do as I say, not as I do. Mm. Right? So there could be a certain element of like, look, um, uh, n- now we, we talk about how many wives he had and all that kind of stuff. Some of these were political, right? It's in order to gain. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. You want to speak into that, Sean? Yeah. I mean, it, you can see that in historically with um, just treaties that were made between countries and whatever. And so, um, you know, they would marry off their children to other countries. And, yeah. and that's that's the way they would make alliances and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so some of that happened that way. Some, yeah. some of these, yeah, it was, it was political moves as opposed mm-hmm. to like, I want that wife and that wife mm-hmm. and that wife and that wife. Yeah. But obviously, he did not, he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is this like, I have chased every single pleasurable thing I can think of and it's left me wanting, you know, I'm, I'm, it does, hasn't fulfilled me. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of the reasons why we listen to this guy is, is he has learned from his past to say, the way I have chosen to live is not the way you need to, to, to go. You need to live. So is that how you'd answer it? Yeah, I think it's very similar to probably some of the discussions we have with our kids. You know what I mean? We're, uh, you know, 20, 30 years down the road. And we also look back and we go, hey, here's some things I would do differently. Or here's some things to think about. Or here's things that I didn't think about that you should think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, wisdom comes out of not only the, your successes, but also your failures. Yeah. You know, do what I did or don't do what I did. That's a good point because if that was the only way that we were able to mentor someone or parent your kids, that you can only speak of what you've accomplished perfectly, we would have very little to say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you tell your kids because you, yeah, you've been there, done that. You can make it easier for them. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let me tell you what's going to be better for you. They don't always listen, but it would save them if they would. And they don't have that viewpoint too of like, oh, mom or dad have have learned because they've they've had experienced the pain of this or the heartache of this firsthand. They're probably just viewing everything from oh, that mom and dad have the perfect you know answer and goody two shoes and all that kind of stuff. But most of that comes from, I've learned that the hard way, unfortunately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that starts us off, but he- here's a question that everyone can jump in on. Matt, you did talk about this and, and said, you know, our past will catch up with us. That's just the way life works. So when it comes to sex, when it comes to our sexual past, you, you were talking about how um, it will catch up to us. And, and I know I, I can kind of answer why that might be, but you, you left a little bit of that out a Sunday. How does that come back to haunt us? Any This is a an all-swim. You guys can all dive in here. Wow, that was quite the statement there. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll let Sean go first. <laughs> <laughs> and just so you know, I'm not necessarily saying, like, how has it caught up with you personally, <laughs> yeah. um, you, Of course, you guys can speak freely about any, anything you want to personally, but you guys as pastors have interacted with a lot of stories out there. Uh, I think Matt said it. Um, Sunday in his message that uh, sex isn't just physical it's emotional it's spiritual it is yeah. it is in a whole being connection and so yeah uh, things that happened in the past um, they do we do bring those into the future with us and uh, I think 
Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult thing to say. And I think there's, there's some people that probably heard that message like, oh man. Cause I think Matt, you were talking about a couple of things. I forget, I forget the line that you used, but you talked about relational mistakes um, and relational difficulties that we have follows into our present relationships. But there's also the side that the physical side, the sexual side, the experiences we have, they do follow us into the future. Yeah. And I think I, we start off with a line that I think everybody needs to remember too. We start off a line, the very first message of the series is uh, God can't change your past. Like we make decisions and those do have consequences. He can mm-hmm. forgive your past, yeah. mm-hmm. but he does um, want to give you a better future. And, and I think there's, there's a side of when we truly understand God's grace. I was even reading in like my Bible study group this morning was studying out of Hebrews chapter 10. And it talks about how not only does God forgive our sin, but he chooses to forget them and remember them no more. Part of the problem with us is because of the way God has created that connection, um, it does follow us, and we have a harder time, I think, forgetting the sins that we have in the past than God does. Absolutely. And that when we truly understand grace and what God has done at the cross and what he has chosen to do with us to forget, forgive and to forget our sins, mm-hmm. um, man, that's freeing, and that's, that's helpful um, for us. But that's, that's a hard reality. Um, when I was growing up, we didn't talk about sex. Like my parents didn't say the word, didn't talk about it. It was just, you don't have it. And if you do, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have the view that there can be good, like sex is a good thing in the right context. So I think a lot of people take that into marriage, into like, it's just mm-hmm. bad. You shouldn't do it. Enough said kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. And so then why would when we talk about it? I already said you can't have it. So just move on. But then when you're in a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage, and it is a good thing in the context of, of marriage, it's like, oh, is this okay? Is mm-hmm. it good? I think a lot of people have that hang up when you don't have good, healthy conversation about it growing up too. So there is the mental, um, physical, but I also think there's just a perception of what sex is. I'm not sure how many young people are thinking, I, I have an opportunity here to prepare for the future in the context of, of marriage and sex. Mm-hmm. And there's a million different hypotheticals and different stories because you do a message like this, everybody's emailing in, here's my story, you know, what would you do, da 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 And to answer, it's like, I don't always know how it will show up, but the proverb or the truth in it is, it will. Mm. It will show up. And the easiest ways to see that is if you are mishandling sex now, then you are not preparing to handle it appropriately in the future. That's good. That's really good. And so if you, you know, again, that would be the argument for, see, this is why I like the Bible, because you can make this argument even outside of the scriptures. Um, just practically, and that was my whole first point, was like, you know, it, it is so unwise to say, hey, this is how I'm going to interact with sex, but then when I get married, I'm going to do it totally different. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is just, it's just not wise. And that's true in anything. Yes. It's like, how, how are you going to interact with something for years? And then, like, if you're <laughs> also, I didn't bring this up, but if you... Like if you're if you're going to be marrying somebody who's coming to you and saying, "Here's all my sexual past," but I'm going to be done with that, mm-hmm. it's not that's not true. Mm-hmm. They are bringing all of that with them into that relationship, and it would be unwise for you to go, "Oh, it it'll be fine. It will not be fine." All of that is going to have to be dealt with and worked through. 
mm. before you're able to get to, I believe, a place that's that's healthy. Yeah. So it's like, why would you interact with something that in the future you're you're saying you're not going to interact with it in that way? That's just not how it works. I, I mean, I do. You know, a migrated. If, if there was someone across from me who's not a Christian and they were going, "Hey, why don't you think I should have sex before marriage?" That'd be it. Yeah. Because you're training in the context of your, of your sexuality in a way that doesn't even make sense. So I did say that line, like, unless after you get married, you're planning on having sex with a bunch of different people, then you probably shouldn't do that before. <laughs> Planning. Yeah, like, that's just, that sounds wise. So there, there are a lot of people listening and that were there on Sunday that that ship has sailed. Like, I appreciated, there's a, a segment of your message where, like, hey, young people, listen to me. Anyone that's not married, listen to me. Like, there's a lot of voices out there saying, you know, one thing or another, but this, this, you need to hear this. And this is from Solomon, right? from speaking from experience. But what about the people that's like, oh man, that, you know, either I've been married or I have, you know, had multiple partners, I've had sex a whole bunch of times. That ship has sailed. And I am seeing these ghosts, you know, that are, that are trying to come out of the closet. And I don't know what to do. Could you guys speak into it? I know there's lots of different circumstances, lots of different stories out there. But how would you counsel? How would you pastor? What does it look like to start walking towards healing when, Man, it's like I got a lot of history that we're we're struggling through. I th- I think you know one thing I think when you recognize that God has set up patterns for healthy relationships and behavior, and if you go even through the things that we've talked about, take money. You know, there's a lot of people that we're talking about with money, and they've got debt and difficult, but they jump in on some of the Ramsey Plus stuff. They jump on on the debt snowball. They start planning here's what my here's healthy patterns of what i should be doing they Mm -hmm. start saving they start giving they start man pretty soon it's a different turn of life and so i think there's the same thing in this issue is you can always restart with a different pattern now i think there there are some emotional pains that come with um, sex and unhealthy patterns with that that do stay with us and it it does take someone having the um having the courage to jump into some counseling, having the courage to jump in and start um, having conversations with people that are um, observing healthy patterns and saying, hey, what does this look like? And how do I, then how do I repair some of the hurts in this? And then being very open with your spouse too about, hey, here's where I've been and here's, but here's what I feel about you. And then working together about working those things out. I think we can get to a place where we can see maybe even a person in that situation can even see more of the redemption and grace of God um, when they start applying those healthy patterns and seeing what God can rebuild in their life. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But well, I, I think it goes back to the shame thing that you were talking about, Nick. If, if you can speak truth to it in the context of counseling or whatever and have conversation that is bringing light to the situation as hard and painful as that might be, I think that starts to diminish the shame that we associate with some of those things. But if not, I feel like, I mean, Satan has a foothold in that. So I'm just going to continue poking at you, poking at your shame, Mm -hmm. um, speaking lies into, to whatever you're not living, you know, truth in. So I don't know. I think live in the truth of it as much as you can. I mean, that's what I try to tell people. What as, as counselors, pastors (laughs) and counselors, you guys do provide, you don't provide professional therapy, right? But you do provide wise counsel. When people come to you, is there a tipping point where you say, you guys need help? That's beyond just you two. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of couples saying, okay, we have some issues, but you know, we can work it out. We can figure it out. 
at what point do you say, no, 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 you need to time out and you need to pony up the, the dollars and you need to go seek professional help here? Six months before they get married. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just made that little statement in the message about I don't, there's not really anything called marriage counseling. Marriage counseling is you counseling. Um, I've got someone right now that I'm encouraging to go get counseling because they're having issues in their marriage. And I've already said, listen, you just need, you need to go to counseling. This is you counseling. And um, that is a super true statement. And I think when you get into that marriage relationship, you go, oh, we have problems. No, you have problems. <laughs> you just didn't know it until you got into that relationship. And I, I even look back, you know, Vanessa and I coming up married 19 years. I wish I would have went to professional counseling a year before we got married. Because I had issues that I, I would assume that maybe a counselor could draw out. And at the time, I had no idea. And then you jump in six months later, five years later, and it's like, what is this thing? Mm -hmm. But the trap is you keep going, well, it's her fault. If she would just do this and if she would do that. And, and, then, um, and then you jump into marriage counseling. It's so frustrating because then the counselor just wants to talk about you. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so it would be one of those deals like, I don't know. I've come to a place. I don't know what you guys would say. Um, I was just chatting with somebody today about this. Like, you have to look at counseling as an investment. You're investing in yourself to be healthy. And the best thing that you can bring to your relationship is your health. Mm -hmm. And when you are unhealthy, it is so difficult, I think, to work through these, these things. And I don't think we realize how much, you know, it's just easier to, to point across at the other person instead of looking at ourselves. So I'm, I would yeah. say everybody has something also. We like to think that we don't, but we all have a level of unhealth and oh, it's yeah. just, what is it? <laughs> Where is it? So if someone comes to you and says, should I uh, go get professional counseling? Your answer is always going to be. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah. I think everybody should go to counseling because we do, we all have things. We have things from our past, our baggage. You combine those with somebody else's past and baggage. Hence need for marriage counseling, but it's like, no, you need to take care of your stuff so mm -hmm. that you can be in a healthy relationship. And, Sean, you're and gonna four counseling sessions isn't going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I see so many people, hey, we tried that. How long did you try that? Yeah. yeah. Great point. I mean, I, I remember for us, man, it was a year in. Mm. It was a year in when we had, I mean, we had some breakthroughs along the way. We learned some great tools, things, but it was like a year in when it was a breakthrough for us on just some of our relational things with each other. And, uh, I, yeah, I think you got to be committed and you got to go. And <laughs> count, I'd say it this way, counseling is a whole lot cheaper than divorce. Mm. So, And, you know, you're talking about counseling, relationships, working on our baggage. It's just all connected. You know, we might, the thing that we may be noticing in our relationship is sex is not good. Or, you know, this person wants more sex than we're having. This person wants less than we're having. This person is seeking, uh, you know, sexual relationships outside the marriage. You know, we're, maybe the thing that's the, the, the squeaky wheel is sex. But it's all of these other things, either from our past, that might not even be sexual. Mm -hmm. It may just be like the people in my... I have not been able to have healthy, uh, uh, emotionally, yeah, strong relationships ever and now it's 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 working its way out in my marriage. Yeah, it's a great point because again, sex is more than than physical that it's it's intimate, right? This is intimacy we're talking about. And sex is a byproduct of intimacy. 
So when there's no intimacy, the cause of that can be a bunch of different things. And I made that joke because the guy always thinks, well, if we just had more sex, everything would be, yeah. would be fine. <laughs> um, and it's not, it's kind of, girls a li- don't think that yeah, way. And the girls don't think that way. Um, uh, and it's like, no, there, there's a lot of things that could be preventing you to be, to have, you know, intimacy in the context of your relationship. Sex is a byproduct of that. Um, but the, Again, this, I mean, Amanda even talked about, it's like, you're bringing everything into that relationship, not just your sexual past, but how your family handled sex and and how it was discussed. And I mean, the older I get, I've said this so many times, the older I get, the more I realize how much my past influences my future. Mm -hmm. I mean, my parents have so much influence in my life. And the older I get, I realize how much of that was good. And there's also parts of that that was bad. Mm -hmm. And it keeps showing up in different ways. And, um, and we, you know, to answer your questions, I've said this to a couple of people like, well, what do we do now? It's like, you got to go back and you got to work through that stuff and you got to go do the hard work. And Sean's right. That's more than two or three or four sessions. I mean, you got to put the work in to go back, to work through it. If it's in the dark, bring it out to the light. That right there is like six months worth of stuff. Yeah. Getting that stuff out. And maybe there is a, a level of confession or Here's mm-hmm. rhythms that I've been doing that is not healthy. And then you develop other patterns. Sean, you talk a lot about that out of your counseling. I think you guys develop different patterns of how you approach fighting. Yeah. And just, totally. Conflict. Yeah. 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 So just an example. Okay. Right. I didn't, I, I taught a little bit long on Sunday. I don't know if you guys know that. I ran out of time. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah, I did. I know. You, I know you were so engaged. I know you were so over. engaged in the message. You're like, what? That was, it's time. It was time. Man, it didn't feel like it was almost 13 minutes over. <laughs> but, like, here's just, like, a basic hyper... My watch ran out yeah, of battery yeah. on Sunday. That's exactly. how long you went. Here's, like, a, a basic hypothetical, right? Uh, like, a stereotypical issue in a relationship. You have a couple, they're, you know, and the guy's thinking, I'm not having as much sex as I would want. Mm-hmm. In his mind, he's probably thinking sex is, is physical. It's, it's, he thinks way more like that. And, and he's not having, you know, they're not having a, a, as much sex as he wants. He is frustrated. So what does he do? He, he diverts. Now he's looking at porn. He's going in an opposite way of intimacy, mm-hmm. right? That, and so while that may satisfy in the moment, that takes one more step away and one more step away and one more step away. And left alone, um, that relationship will never have the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. He, he has now created an, un, an unhealthy rhythm. And until that thing is addressed, um, he will never be given the opportunity um, to, to actually have what he really wants, which I think is to be known and to know somebody else. So here's a question for you guys. This might be a, like a little direct, but we'll see how this goes. Do you guys think it's possible for a couple to have a healthy sexual relationship when there's porn on the side? No. Uh, yeah, I don't think so, no. Okay. Sp- speaking of that, why, why is that? I mean, you, you, you kind of spoke to it a little bit that it's like this guy is going to porn to try to, you know, meet some needs, and it, it's making the relationship even further distant. So, uh, I mean, I can connect those dots, but I think there's a lot of people out there doing just that. You know, it's like they have their physical sexual life, but then they also have the secret porn life, and it's like, uh, seems like it's working out okay. I think that's where a lot of people are. Yeah. You won't go find one scientific study right now that says porn's a good thing. Yeah. Not one. 
what it what it's saying is it is messing with your mind. Mm-hmm. It is reprogramming your mind along with a bunch of chemical stuff and you know, like sexual addiction is a very real thing. Um, in in some of the preparation for Sunday, and again, I didn't I didn't have time to get into this, but I, I came across this thing which I thought was good, which somebody said porn. When you look at porn, you're going to school, and what you're learning is that one body isn't enough, and your wife's body isn't enough, mm-hmm. and you train yourself with that thought long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to run into some serious issues. Yeah. And and I don't think, and what a, what a trap the devil has put out there because you have people that are so casual with it. We have young people that yeah. have, a, you know, have access to it via cell phones now and it's so easy to get and they don't realize the damage mm-hmm. that they are doing. And I think there's so many guys that mess around with that. They get married and then they begin to realize, oh, I have some issues and I've created some unhealthy patterns that I thought would go away when I got married. And instead they have stayed. Mm-hmm. And that's where those st- that stuff gets hidden. And now welcome to shame and guilt and intimacy begins to hurt. And yeah. I think just, I mean, Matt's talking about from a guy's perspective. And I think we did live in a world where pornography was mainly happening amongst men in the marriages. But I think, yeah, we can't be naive to not say right now that probably porn is a bigger issue for females um, or as big of an issue yeah. for females as it is for males right now. Yeah, statistics say it. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that's important because it's easy to, I mean, I think there are some gender-based generalities for sure. But it's easy to get into that, well, like, this is the way women always are. Mm-hmm. And this is the way men always are. And that could actually even lead to additional subject of shame. You know, it's like, well, I'm not like the average man. I'm not like the average woman. What's wrong with me? Um, and unfortunately, that is, you know, the sad reality. I think a lot of people are approaching this like as long as no one is getting hurt, yeah. right? That's uh, that's like sex before marriage. That's the porn thing. That's in and I think we have that delusion of no one's getting hurt here, right? I'm not actually having sex with other people. You know, I know it's awkward to talk about, but I think that that is it's a reality that a lot of people are are living in, and it's just Sean, you talked about it being like debt you know, before these issues that I don't know how to get out of this. And maybe I just won't. Maybe this is just the best that it can be. You know, one, I think one of the the things, I mean, you, you guys use the word secret. You know, you talk about a relationship mm-hmm. between a husband and a wife. Um, you know, Alan Algram will be speaking this, this weekend, and he's got a great line, and Matt, you've referred to it a lot of times, I have no secrets, mm-hmm. it is well with my soul. What's really interesting is when you carry a secret that has to do with something like porn, it's not well with your soul mm-hmm. and it causes you, even what Matt was talking about, it causes you to drift apart. Um, it causes you to cover your tracks, to worry uh, constantly about being found out. And that does not bring you any closer to your spouse. And I think that's one of the biggest things is we live a life of secrets and we're cultivating something over here because maybe we're not finding fulfillment in some of the relational aspects. Um, and so we search something out over here. It's not actually fulfilling. Um, and so I think, I think it's, it's always a lie. Lust is always a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the verse that always has stood out to me on thinking about patterns of our life, but especially about sexuality, thief comes. So John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life, that mm-hmm. you might have that life to the full. Mm-hmm. And, and you cultivate, you know, what does porn do? It cultivates a quick hit pleasure what 
that that's not lasting. And what God says, his pattern, it takes more work. It's yeah. relational. It, it takes a long, it's leaning into the whole person and, and loving our spouse and getting to know them and be known by them. And, but man, you cultivate that kind of life, man, the other side, the intimacy side, you work on that and relational and understanding each other relationally. Man, the sex part takes care of itself mm-hmm. after that. It, yeah. it, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you're talking only physical, but I think we all know relationship is so much more than that. But if you are, you're giving your time, your energy, your everything to something else, if you are engaging in porn. So I think mm-hmm. relationally, it just, yeah, you're not going to connect with that person, whether it's physical or not. So th- this is making me think of something you said on Sunday, Matt. Uh, it was something, this is my paraphrase. Anytime God says we should or shouldn't do something, we should research why he says that. Yeah. Because at the, the, the heart of, of God's do's and don'ts uh, is, is he wants us to benefit. And Sean, you mentioned that. It's like, man, you go down this path of secrets. You're, you feel guilty. You feel shame. You're constantly trying to cover your tracks. You just stress all that kind of stuff. And that, so God is not just saying, hey, don't look at porn because I don't want you to look at porn. There's a deeper meaning there. It's like, no, no, because you are going to miss out yeah. on so many things I have uh, intended for you. Mm-hmm. You guys want to speak into that a, a little bit more? I know you hit that on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's a good parenting strategy to sometimes give our kids the why. You know, as our kids get older, we got to get away from, well, we, you know, well, why? Because I told you so. Because the Bible says so. Or because so. the Bible said so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we can get out front of it and say, hey, because this is what I, this is what God wants for you. Here, this is what I want for you. And, and I think that's what Solomon is doing with his sons when he's in chapters 5, 6, and 7. He's going, here, here's what I want for you. And you won't be able to get that if you choose to make a different decision. And I, I know that way is flashy. I know, I know it's appealing, mm-hmm. but don't do it, right? Run, run the other way. And I think for, for us as parents... It was kind of like that Christian sex talk was don't do it because God says don't do it. And I think there's more to that. And Absolutely. Like, th- that's still, that's only half the talk, right? Well, you know, because you could walk away and go, wait, well, doesn't want me to have fun? Everybody else having fun. And I, I don't see the dangers in what they're doing. Well, of course, they're not thinking 25 years down the road. And so for a parent to engage and go, yeah, you shouldn't do it. And, and not only because God says you shouldn't, but also this is why he says that. Because you should be looking towards a day when you are married and you want to be, you know, preparing now for that day and, and, and walk in with, with the least amount of baggage you can. And, um, and it'll be better for you, right? And, and I think that's a different discussion. Like, oh, okay, this is, there's, there's things I can do now that are going to affect my future. It's like, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And you're not going to think, of, and w- what a shame it would be if you didn't think about that till 25 years later and going, and this is some of the tough part from Sunday, but so many people going, I wish I would have heard something like that mm-hmm. 40 years ago. All right, I, I, I got something else. And, and you guys can jump in after this because I know you have lots and lots and lots of notes over there, Sean. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so something you said on, on Sunday, Matt, and I'm not sure if I agree or maybe I just don't understand. Bring it, dude. Okay? And you talked about, hey, guys, girls, sex is not a need, okay? Mm-hmm. Like we need food. We need shelter. We need all those <laughs> things. But it is not a need. And I heard you say that. And it's like, I think I understand what he means, but 
But I don't, I don't I, think I agree. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and hey, I'll even use a biblical argument here, okay? Since this is a, a podcast where we're talking about faith when Sunday's over, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Paul, in uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 7, I looked it up and forgot to write it down. But he's talking about how he, he actually wants people to be single if they can. And says, hey, it'd be, if, if you're single, it'd be better for you to stay single just like I'm single. Because Paul was focused on the mission. He was, I mean, swamped with ministry, right? And I think he realized, man, if you have to get in a relationship and then kids, like there's just so many different demands on your life, right? But he says, but if you cannot resist and you basically your sexual desires are, you, you just can't ignore them, it's better for you to go ahead and get married. See, to me, there's something in there that says like, yeah, there is this drive. There is that need that needs to be met. So what, what, what am I just not understanding? Everything. <laughs> um, like Paul's not here. Paul does write in other places too. Um, like for couples, like I think he encourages couples to have sex. So it takes away the temptation to have sex with other people. Right, I mean, he's yeah, that's funny. He's that's very, a funny way to put it. He's very practical. Go ahead and have sex, or you don't have sex. No, with he other is. People. He's very practical. I mean, there is a practicality sure. to it as well. I think Nick, when I was talking about that <laughs> message, um, you know, I, I was giving an argument um, without using the Bible, uh-huh. and I th- am really, you know, because a couple of guys text me like, "Thanks a lot, dude." When you, <laughs> When you wrote that, I go, well, if you wait to the end of the message, I told everybody to go have sex. If you did. Ma- if they're married. Yeah, you yeah. did. Um, I think it's lazy. Controversial. I think it's, I think it's <laughs> lazy. There, there's a laziness here. D- should married couples be having sex? Yes, I think they should. There's a laziness for the man to walk in. If the reason why he's saying he wants to have sex is because he has needs, he doesn't understand sex. And that, that was the point. Um, I think it's healthy. We can kind of weaponize it. Yes, I think you were taking need. it. Yeah, I was. I, I think you were doing a good job of um, probably talking about things that you didn't talk about, like um, we all know sexual abuse situations, rape situations, all kinds of situations that we didn't dive into on Sunday morning. It kind of hits that right. You don't need this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to force yourself on this in the context of something healthy. Yes, it's good. Also, um, the guy who you're quoting there is Paul, mm-hmm. who wasn't having sex. So I don't know if you should be listening to what he says about sex. Just to go with your earlier. So I can't listen to the guy that was having way too much sex. I can't listen to the guy that wasn't having any sex. Right. I, I think the point was just saying you won't die. I, I just don't think you're going to die. I mean, there's not, you know, I, I, had, I had some guys send me some articles, too, about, you know, the health benefits and it. Reduces prostate <laughs> cancer and all this kind of stuff. Here's the thing. I'm sure there are some health benefits to having sex a certain amount of times in a given week. But it, it's not God. Sex is not God. And, yes. if, you, and if you treat it like that, then, then you're going to be in trouble. And, guys, here's the thing. This was the point at the end of the message. If you treat sex in the context of marriage in just a physical way, my guess is more times than not, your lady's not going to want to have sex with you. If it's just physical for you, you just got to know it's way more physical for you than it is for her. And and this is some of the the mystery and tension of, of marriage a little bit, I think. And so it's to produce intimacy and, and to pursue one another, uh, to be known, to be vulnerable. I don't know. I, I just, that just seems to be a common theme. Again, I'm stereotyping, 
but a common theme where you see guys that are in the we don't have enough sex and it is purely physical and it and it's it's also ends up being manipulative like yes. you guys were, were saying and yes. that's what you're saying hey shut up about that yeah okay you're Be- missing it if that's what you think because and here's the other thing too and again i just didn't have time but so <laughs> many guys told me several people who are watching this online who are at home said that when i said that their their wife looked at me and went see really now that is not a win either okay <laughs> then that wasn't the point yeah and because there is to, to say like, well, then sex is not a healthy rhythm or you don't need to have sex to have a healthy marriage. I wouldn't go that far either. Sure. Right. Right. That's, that wasn't the point. The point is the approach to sex and how you view it. And, and then to go into the, the biblical point is it's more than just physical. There's a lot going on here. And I don't think we realize all of that. And when either person is saying, see... You, then it's like, no, we have a problem. Yeah, that's like a red you're, flag. That you're not winning either. No, right. nobody's you know what I mean? winning. That, that wasn't the, the point is to, to give someone an argument not to have sex or to give someone else an argument to have sex for the wrong reason. Yeah. That's baggage that hasn't been talked about. Exactly. That's counseling right there. <laughs> so you're saying uh, couples should come together and say, honey, I want to have sex for the right reasons. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nothing is going to fire up the temperature in the bedroom than that statement. I mean, sure. kind, kind of, <laughs> you know. All right, Sean, Man, bail us out. Sean's <laughs> <No. laughs> like, I or, uh, have nothing to have say. Nothing <laughs> yeah, Sean, what Dude, do you I, do? What do you do? Man, I do think that, you know, one of the things I had even written down in my four pages <laughs> um, was just to work on work on your marriage relationally. I mean, I think God did create us, men and women, with a desire for each other emotionally and physically. And I think when you work on that and you intentionally invest, I think that's what you're saying. You intentionally invest in all areas of your relationship. You learn tools for dealing with conflict. You guys, you learn what your wife desires and and begin pursuing her. Man, I think the physical side of your relationship, it it naturally happens. I think God created us that way. Now, I do think you have to be willing to, as as husband and wife, have conversations too about that area of your life. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think you have to be willing to sit down and say, say, hey, how are we feeling? Not just emotionally, not just relationally, but also talk about the physical side. Be open about that. And for some families, that's difficult and difficult to have conversation about. But man, guys, you pursue your wife and you show that you care about her emotionally and relationally, and uh, <laughs> you you spend your day caring for her mm-hmm. emotionally. That's not going to be a problem. And I think that's something we have to work on. Is, is figuring all those things out. Okay, so there's, there's a few guys in this room. Um, I'm curious, because I, I think you guys, it's easy to speak to guys and say, look, you need to serve your wives in these ways. You need to invest relationally. I'm curious for females that are listening to this, that are married, what are ways that they can be serving their husbands in, in a way that promotes that intimacy? I'm not talking sex. I'm talking about what do guys need in order to make those that relational investment does that make sense Mm -hmm. guys need to be seen okay and and i think the trap there is there there's like a level of expectation and and i see this sometimes from uh from the ladies of saying like i made this joke from stage one time like when guys are seen they'll do more work they'll work harder 
Um, like you go out to the garage and you get groceries and you have five bags and your wife's like, five bags? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. You are so, man, have you been working out? You'll go back out there and get 10 bags. And you're like, look, look at me. <laughs> you thought five was good? Yeah, look at this girl. Hey, and this is a bunch of cans <laughs> in this bag, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy. Um, I think to to say I see you and I, I appreciate what you do for our family. I, I see you working hard. You know, a lot of those things are expected and when it's, when these things are below the line of expectation, they don't get celebrated. And it's funny because sometimes you'll be in a room with a couple and I'm like, hey, just say something nice about him. Nothing. Mm. I'm like, did he get up and go to work? Well, yeah, but he's supposed to do that. I go, you know how many guys don't do that? Mm. I was going to say the same thing about Sean saying, yeah, you got to serve your wife, love them well, pay attention to their needs. But as females, we sometimes can, we don't, we don't reciprocate very well, Mm. but we still have to honor our husband in mm-hmm. all of those ways, um, also. It's a so, two-way street, very much. So how would you answer that for, for women? Like, Matt, you brought up a good thing. Like, hey, when it, when it comes to that investment, men need to be seen. Meaning, like, you need to call out things that they're doing that's good, Yeah. right? What would you, and Sean, you can add to that for the, the men's side. But I'm just curious, Amanda, not to put you on the spot. You're the only female in the room right now. No. But what are ways that men need to be making that investment? I think it's so easy to be cliche and be like, you need to buy her chocolates. You need to get her flowers. You need to, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that those are things. But what are some in generalities that men need to be looking to do? Well, I think sometimes as females, like I said, we we take the, like, you need to do all of these things for me. But we forget that men even though we just think they need to be applauded for lifting Heavy 10 things. bags instead of five. <laughs> it's, harder, it's harder than you think. <laughs> 10 bags a lot. <laughs> I would say that you guys need to be applauded in some of the same ways that we do as females. You do have feelings. You do have things that still relate to those things relationally. And if those aren't built up in you, I, I'm not good at affirming um, all the time. So mm-hmm. that's a struggle for me. I'm always having to tell myself like D still needs to be, that's my husband. He still needs to be told like, thank you. You're doing a good job. Thank you for mm-hmm. caring for our family. I see you. Um, I recognize what you're doing and just that he has feelings too. Yeah. I think as females, we think you don't have feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does contribute. Many times because we don't share them. Sometimes because you guys, don't share them. But. The guys need to be, to remember, man, you open up your feelings to your wife. Right. And, she draws closer to that. Yeah. And uh, we struggle with that, right? Matt, in order to make sure I get applauded, I just announce what I'm doing around the house. <laughs> I am taking out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I fixed lunch for the kids. I just shout it out because then all my wife has to do is go, yeah, you're right. Doesn't it make a big difference, though, when it's acknowledged? I, I, I think it just goes... It goes so far. Like, it's the intimacy piece. You want to be intimate with somebody yeah. who's recognizing what you do, who you are, and yep. all of those pieces. It's just like, hey, I see you, and thank you. Thanks you for know, doing that. And, and, here's, and here's another point of what you're saying. Often when that, that is not happening in the home, in the marriage, and on any level, it is so easy to do that at work, right? Yeah. Like someone delivers something on time at work. Usually it's like, hey, man, great job on that. Like, thanks for, thanks for sending me that information. We are constantly giving and receiving that feedback, that praise, that recognition, just natural in the workplace. And we stop doing it at home sometimes because, it, like you said, it's the expectation. You're supposed to take the trash out. Right. Yeah, you're supposed to go pick up the kids you know, from school and these activities. It's all of these supposed tos that add up to where it's like, well, no one's really doing anything worthy of recognition. And that starts to erode 
that that spirit of I'm glad you're here. You know, I'm glad we're doing this together. I mean, sometimes I've said like, hey, what would he have to do? You know, and it's like, I don't really know. I'm like, that's crazy. I you're mean, talking about like a couple to yeah. Say, for her to say something nice about him. Right. Like, gotcha. In his role of a husband, what would he have to do to get above the line of, of expectation? And what you find is the expectations are so high. Mm. And he's never going to be able to meet whatever super husband, super dad. And it's like, man, but he's doing a lot of good things. Yeah. If you go back to our culture right now, so many affairs start from emotional affairs. It's not even a physical affair. So it's that part of like somebody speaking Oof. words into somebody that starts that train. That's why it's important. Like it matters on so both sides of that. right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I see you. Yes. I see you. Mm -hmm. Nick, I see you. <laughs> I like your boots. <laughs> do, we, do we need to talk about my boots? <laughs> no, I just oh, like man. them, dude. You've been <laughs> talking about my boots a lot. <laughs> I see them and I like them. Guys, it snowed. I don't know when you're listening. This You could be listening to this podcast on a beach in Mexico, you know, six months from now. And but Nick it snowed a lot yesterday. On. I'm wearing my snow boots today, and people can't handle it. <laughs> Nick, are your feet sweaty? They're real hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to go back to another point. We we talked about pornography. We, we, we talked about also people finding themselves in a marriage. It's like, hey, I thought we had a blank slate, and we, we don't. Can we speak into that a little bit? Because I, I, I know there are listeners right now that are saying, I don't know where to go from here. And, and I don't know what you guys would want to start with first. I think pornography is something that no one wants to talk about, but it is so incredibly pervasive in our culture. And in a lot of categories, it's just, you know, normalized. Like, yeah, everyone, everyone does, you know. So you speak into that, you know, someone who's, who's maybe struggling with that, what, what, what's the pathway look like? What do they need to realize? Uh, what kind of truth do they, they need to recognize right now? Um, so going off of something you said first, it's interesting. Our culture is normalizing it. Yeah. It started a long time ago. Like sure. if you, so Friends is a super funny sitcom, right? Mm -hmm. But you go back to Friends, and what do they talk about half the time? It's pornography. Oh, really? Yeah. And you watch, I yep. mean, it's every <clears throat> third episode. There's something in See, there. it's funny because I watched that as, you know, I don't know if as a kid, as a high school or something like that. I, I don't have any memory of that. It's probably because it was like even yeah. normalized for me back then. Yeah. Well, and it's so subtly um, yeah. put into every episode, I feel like. Gotcha. Yeah, and funny. Mm -hmm. Make you laugh mm -hmm. and connect that. So, um, and then what Matt said about just, man, phones being accessible in, in kids' hands. I mean, remember when I was growing up, right? It was whether you went over somebody's house and their dad had calendars or magazines Magazine, or whatever. Yeah. Now it's in every kid's hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's whether so they're looking normalized. forward or not. Yeah. My kid the other day was like, he's in sixth grade and he's like, Dad, yeah, I was over here somewhere. And kid with his phone is mm -hmm. just watching whatever. My daughter, first day of high school, I remember freshman year in class, a kid's looking at something in class <sighs> at her table next. It's everywhere. And so if it's everywhere, Man, it's so easy to get caught up in. So if you're caught up into it, how do you get out of it? And I think, um, I think, I think one of the most powerful verses, and I already said it was John ten ten. Just remembering that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And what he's doing with that right now is it, it is uh, it's it's a hook that will get into you and get its get deep into you into your heart and your mind, and it becomes an addiction. Addiction. Mm -hmm. And as Matt mentioned, man, uh, even 
scientifically, medically, all of that, what it's doing in your mind, the hits of dopamine, your mind just wants more and it wants more and it wants more. And the problem with it is, is it goes deeper and it goes deeper and it goes deeper. Mm -hmm. And so to get out, I think there has to be, you have to, you have to, to stop, but you have to fill up with something else. And I think you have to be willing to, to come clean and to share with somebody. So if somebody's listening to this podcast right now, um, repentance was also always started with confession. And I think there, there needs to be um, a safe place that you go to somebody right now and you say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I need help. And, and I think, I think if, you, if you were married, there is a point at which you need to come clean but there may be a starting point where you come clean with a pastor, you come clean with a counselor, you come clean with an accountability partner, you come clean with somebody that can help you navigate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think confession is where it, where it starts. But then here's the pattern that happens for most people. Uh, most guys I know is they confess and like, dang it, man, I messed up again. And, uh, and they're able to, st- and they stop and say, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And what happens? They stop for two months. They stop for three months. And then they get tired. They get stressed out. Um, what's the famous uh, uh, deal they talk about? Halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You get in a situation, and what do you do? You revert back. And you slip up again, and then you confess it again. You're like, it don't want to happen. And it doesn't happen for another couple months. And it's just this cycle of just like an alcoholic. And once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Addicted to porn, always addicted to it. You got to stay away from it. So I think there's a confession side with somebody that's holding you accountable, that's willing to ask you the questions. But I think you got to refill. There's a passage in Matthew. I forget which chapter it is, but it talks about Jesus using example. He talks about um, when a demon leaves, it leaves and a person cleans up the house. If they don't clean up and replace it with something else, what happens? That demon goes and gets seven others and he comes back and it's even worse. I think there is a side of us that what we've got to do is we have to confess it, repent of it, but then there, we have to start to refill with something else. And man, I think the only thing we can refill with is the Word of God, yeah. good community with other people that are keeping us accountable and continuing honestly to share our story. Mm-hmm. Because when we share our story with others and are helping others, it keeps us trying to keep our nose clean. And I know that's been one thing. As there, that, that issue, pornography, has been a story in my past. And I know that is one thing, that verse, John 10, 10, being accountable to other people, filling up on a daily basis, starting my day. If I start my day with God, I usually have a tendency to make sure that I keep my things, my, my life about God the rest of the day. And then the other side of that is sharing my story with people um, because sharing your story keeps you accountable uh, to that story. I don't know if you guys would add some other things. No, I'm, I'm right on with that. I, I would just add one little thing, which is... Um, comes out a book I'm reading right now called Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. where he, it's all about creating, you know, new habits, forming new rhythms. And there's a chapter in there. He talks about how, how to, how to, y- you should be smart enough to make it as easy as possible that when you need to make the decision to change up whatever, um, you've already done some work. So for example, if you want to get up, Nick, if you want to get up tomorrow in your boots and shovel snow at 4am, <laughs> you should, you know, the idea would be like, Hey, do everything you can the night before. So you take all the excuses out. Just leave the boots <laughs> on. Go to sleep with <laughs> the boots. There you go. There you go. Um, so I think the opposite is true. If you're trying to change a, a habit, a rhythm in your life, um, I think you should get practical and start cutting some things out. Mm. And 
um, you know, Jesus says, hey, you know what? The devil's going to be shrewd. So should you. And I think there are some practical things like if you're, if you're an alcoholic, maybe don't have bottles of whiskey in your house. That would make sense. Yeah. If you're addicted to porn, then I, I think it's worth going, all right, what's my pattern here? Where's the source? And be smart enough to go, hey, I'm just going to cut that thing out, you know, because it's, this, is a, this is a serious conversation. And if that's the case, how many guys wouldn't be walking around with a cell phone? But oftentimes we're just unwilling to go to those levels. And I just think that's unwise. I think you should be shrewd. You should do everything you can to set yourself up for success. I think we've got to own the fact the game has changed. 50 years ago was much different than today, and even in the context of porn. And parents, I think you should be shrewd too. You know what I mean? There's a level of just, just a lot of unwise decisions being made when we're handing cell phones off to kids yeah. when they're 12. And I don't think we realize what we're doing. Yeah. And I don't think you can, you can't live your life in the, in the same way and expect different results. Yeah. yeah. You, gotta, and I, you gotta change something. And I know some people, well, you know, if I didn't have a cell phone, you can still find it. That's fine. Make it as difficult as possible. Like give yourself a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's at that level of, of addiction. And I think oftentimes it's kind of what Sean's saying Man, I repented. I'm never going to do it again. But if you just find that you keep going back to porn in the same way, then maybe wisdom says at some point you make it difficult to do that. You need something that's going to interrupt that cycle. Yeah. Maybe if it's just long and it just interrupts it long enough to, oh, you know what? I'm going to make a better decision right now. Yeah. Bring it to, yeah, bring it to the light. Like Sean's saying, have somebody, um, ha- you know, you can confess but then I think there's a level of practicality to it. Like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm cutting that thing out. I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I can't handle it, you know, to use this thing wisely. So it's, I'm not gonna use it. I think, I think coming back to what you said about our kids too, parents, you should never assume that your kids aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You should always assume that they're running into it somewhere. So you start early and you start often um, with your kids talking about. And it doesn't matter if uh, if they're boys or they're girls. Mm-hmm. Right. You have conversation. And, and I would imagine, too, it, the more we can normalize talking about it, yep. the, the more it, they are going to be. I don't know if they'll ever ever be comfortable to say, hey, I'm struggling. Yeah. But at least it's not this. You can never talk about this. Yeah. Definitely. Which just makes it, it more shameful. Yes. More secret. I think sometimes in the church. We have, like when I was growing up, it was, you know, no one should be having sex outside of marriage. No one should be doing this. So essentially, as long as you don't do those things, then then you're good, which ended up leading to more secret stuff. As long as, yeah, as long as no girl gets pregnant, as long as no one catches me, as long as, and I keep these things secret, then I'm safe. And and that is an unintended consequence. Right. And somebody's going to be having conversation with them. So that is a good have point. conversation because the more comfortable they can get with the conversation. I mean, I had people that when Matt's like, hey, married people go have great sex at the end of the message. Just that is like, I don't want to see anybody. I just want to get <laughs> out of here. I don't want to talk about it. And it's like, why are you uncomfortable with something that is good? <laughs> yeah. But if your kids aren't comfortable having conversation, they will have conversation. They'll get comfortable having conversation with someone who is not giving them uh, wise advice. So. And there, there are tons of good resources out there, too. 
I mean, just just even to mention one, I've mentioned it before, but just way early on, um, just the passport to purity stuff is is super good. Just talking to your kids, having initial conversations with them about sex, and it goes uh, to multiple levels according to age of just talking through, and it it's it's helpful. Man, there were things. I mean, I'm a pastor, and you know, we get paid to talk about this stuff and share. And <laughs> there were things that they share. I was like. Well, I'm glad they're saying that, and yeah. not me. Yeah. You know, just helpful talking points through, mm-hmm. and I think I think you want to you want to start early with that Absolutely. and set the foundation. So. Well, guys, this is not always easy to talk about, you know, because it's such uh, maybe because there's so much shame. Maybe there's there, there's there's so many things out there that are embarrassing to talk about. But I appreciate the conversation. Anything else you guys would add, or do we hit everything? Do we cover it all? All four pages, baby. We got it. <laughs> wow. Matt, you, you spoke on it for an hour and a half on Sunday, so you might have... Did you get it all out? I've, I feel good. <laughs> if you're married, you should have sex. If you're single, you shouldn't. Uh, so Ben Leach... Um, uh, that's my story. Uh, yeah, our operations pastor's son picked uh, Ron and Ashley up hey, from the airport. Hey, do, do we need to actually say his name or should we... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he want, yeah, go ahead. He, it's a good story. Okay. He yeah. picked Ron and Ashley up from the airport and they said... Um, Hey, what was church about today? And they he said to them, "You guys should have great sex tonight. I shouldn't." <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> Poor kid had to say it to his parents, <laughs> but he felt comfortable saying it, which You're is right. a win. That's a good thing. You're it's right. a win. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, great yeah. job, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, guys, uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Nick. Bye, bye. Hey, do you want to hear this one last time? Do you want to sing for oh, yeah. us? It's an instrumental. All right. Love you guys. <laughs> love you, dude. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We'd love to connect with you. and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast. Rate us. Review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. We'll catch you next time.